So what we saw in the last two years has been unprecedented. Uh, being able to uh, launch uh, the COVID vaccine in about a, a year's time. And for me, what's really kind of building my curiosity is how were organizations able to get to, to that state? How were they able to break that traditional mold and go from you know 10 to 15 years of launching a, a drug product to uh, being able to launch, uh, launch it in, in one year. Welcome to this episode of Implementing Best Practice in Business. We're here to help you and your organization understand and implement global best practice to help you face the business challenges of today. Join me, Richard Farrow, CEO of APMG International, in talking to leaders and practitioners who have applied these frameworks and practices to boost their productivity. They're here willing to share their knowledge and experience to help you learn from them so you can do the same to make you more competitive in today's market. Welcome to this episode. My guest today is Camille Moros. Camille's experience is in people management and project management, and he's been involved in leading multicultural, diverse and technical teams composed of both direct reports and cross-functional matrix teams. He's now focused on creating value through agile projects and program management in the field of immunology and urology to serve patients in need. He achieves this through coaching and mentoring, as his purpose in life as he sees himself at the moment is to help people reach their full potential. Camille considers himself as a servant leader, honed with working on several high-impact philanthropic projects in Europe. His services to the project management profession include chairing the Interregional Committee of the International Society for Pharmaceutical Engineering in Benilux, and he's on the Steering Committee on Project Management. He's already been recognised for his outstanding leadership, communication and project management excellence by both the International Project Management Association in Europe and PMI in the US. Last year, PMI listed him as a future 500 honoree a group of leaders that they've identified who are transforming the workplace through collaboration, inclusion and purpose. So Camille, um, I think you're the first PMI Future 500 leader I've interviewed or the first junior PMI 500 leader I've interviewed. You were nominated by your peers, I think, based on your thoughts about the next generation of project management. So could you share with us what you think will be the biggest difference between Project Management 2000 and Project Management 2030? Sure. Thank, and thanks so much, Richard, for having me on the podcast. I'm, I'm really happy to, to be here. Um, so indeed, uh, as you rightfully point out, uh, PMI uh, put together a list of uh, future 50 honorees since about two years ago. And so it's... Um, I would say just a way to recognize uh, emerging professionals and, and mid-level professionals who are doing something good in project management. And um, indeed, my peers nominated me. And, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not even sure who, who nominated me. So who, who, if, if anybody knows and, and is listening to this podcast, <laughs> please tell me so I can buy him a beer uh, because I, I definitely wasn't expecting that. It's just such a, a wonderful initiative. To uh, to give visibility to to young PMs doing doing good things, 
And so, you know, to, to get to, to your question, right, how does project management look now and how uh, will it evolve uh, in the coming years? Um, oh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. I've been trying to summarize some of my thoughts and, and share them actually with the project management community and what I call the next generation of PMs or hashtag next gen PM. Because what, when I did receive this award, and, and as you uh, mentioned, mentioned earlier, the IPMA had also given me some recognitions early on in my career. And th- those recognitions are always good because they, they kind of catapult you up to a level where you, you start to engage and, and collaborate with very influential people in the project management communities, Richard, such as yourself, but other individuals that I've met in the, in this journey have been, you know, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez, who's become a, a big mentor of mine. Um, you know, various executives of the PMI board, chapter leads, and and, and board members. And so I, I was privy to a, a lot of really nice information, uh, and in a way, kind of an insight into how the the project management field is evolving. And so. Um, I, I, I tried to summarize that through a, a few presentations and, and so some of the, the key insights that uh, I've felt to be important as we move forward as project management professionals is, is really to, to move uh, and to evolve in, in a direction where you know, we focus less on you know, the, the technical skills of project management and evolve and as project managers move into more of the, the soft skills, the leadership skills, what you can define as, um, you know, those elements of the competencies we need to be successful that are not easily automatable, so to say. Camille, that, that's very interesting. And, and I read some stuff lately that I um, can't remember who it was, but said, we should stop using the phrase soft skills and use the phrase sort of super skills or power skills because that ability to to work collaboratively, which is clearly the heart of projects, becomes so important, has always been important, but is even more important when you have uh, multinational, multidisciplinary teams collaborating. So, I mean, from what you say... I mean, you seem to be in that mindset that those personal skills, super skills, soft skills, whatever you call them, are in the are in the ascendancy, and will become even more important in the future. Um, you mentioned a, a, a colleague, a, a joint colleague, a friend. I think I'd like to think he is Antonio earlier, and and Antonio also talks about the project economy and the importance of strategy execution through projects. Now, he believes this is this so strongly, you know, this is clearly a passion of his, that he's established the Strategy Implementation Institute. Is this link between strategy and projects something that is, is at the forefront of your mind? Is this something that that you think is going to be a key driver for the next generation of project management, the next generation of project managers? Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, I, I've read Antonio's work and uh, I definitely agree with him. The project management or the project economy is, is here to stay. I, I've read works also on this notion of projectification of society, uh, which, you know, years back was a buzzword, but 
there's been some empirical evidence to demonstrate that, in fact, the the primary way of of organizing uh, organizations and, and and societies is actually being done um, more and more through projects. And what does that show us? Well, it shows us that we're living in a world that's rapidly changing and evolving. And projects are a key way for companies to be able to pivot and change uh, their strategic direction, but also execute in a, in a very quick way uh, what it is they, they mean to achieve in terms of their, their purpose and, and their value to society. And so I, I really believe this is something that we, we need to be conscious of as project leaders, and we need to be able to not only uh, work at the delivery level and at the operational or tactical level, but we need to understand that line of sight all the way up uh, or all the way down from the strategy down to uh, to projects. And all of that is intertwined uh, through projects, programs, portfolio, management systems. And I think a lot of times strategy has been left to the C-suite and the senior leaders. And then there's a lot of literature uh, saying that you know, a lot of strategies fail because there was that gap between the strategy and, and, and actually being able to execute on it. And I would argue that it's projects, programs, and solid portfolio management systems that help companies to be able to, to really, truly take that strategy and be able to, to execute on it. So I, th- I think it's, it's a very important concept and it's, it's a very important thing that Antonio and, 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 and many people recently are, are championing. I, I totally agree with that. And I suppose if you think about it, um, you know, we're still using the same basic tools for the management, the, the reporting, the, the measurement projects that we've been using for about 50 years. And there's been very little sort of innovation and development in that. You know, there's a lot of interest these days on project data analytics. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, people talking about the automation of things. But through that automation, sort of it drives up the importance of of the humans, the professionals associated with projects to to do the hard thinking and make sure the, the benefits are delivered. But do you sort of see data analytics becoming a more important and, and more valuable as we now have the tools to mine previous data to make sure that we can deliver our future projects better. And how does that tie into this strategy piece? Because I know that as well as being a PM professional, you're also one of the early uh, strategy implementation professionals. So you certainly buy into that from your own personal career development. So what are your thoughts about possible new types of tools or techniques for the project professionals? Mm-hmm. So I agree with you that, you know, all things digital, analytics, um, automation, uh, more efficient ways of, of, of planning and reporting are, are going to make our lives easier for sure. Uh, and in the current norm, uh, it's it's even more important that we leverage different tools to more effectively manage our our projects uh, for example um you know just, just very you know very sim- a very simple example teams has become 
kind of the de facto collaboration space for professionals nowadays. I think most people since the pandemic started have, have become well-versed in, in how to uh, join a team and, and do some of the, the, the basic stuff uh, on, on the team's platform. But there are also really useful applications uh, that are available. We use them to enable project management, but and also to enable more agile ways of working. For example, the uh, the planner feature, where kanbans can be easily created to track the work in a more visual way, uh, you know, across the team that's uh, virtually based. There's the the lists application as well that can help do risk management in a in a more dynamic way and and link it to Microsoft 365 so that uh, people are immediately notified when a, a new risk is identified and a mitigation needs to be uh, to be acted on by somebody in the team. So I think I think tools are are here to you know kind of more collaborative interactive tools are here to say we need to be able to to leverage them, you know, in a way that makes sense and that help that, that that kind of helps us as project managers to do our job more effectively. Now, the the tricky thing is, um, and and something that I've, I'm going to try to champion in the in the next few years is how do we crack the code for agile project management and bring it to non traditional kind of IT software organizations. Because I work in the pharmaceutical sector, and I think traditionally the pharma sector is, is, is slower than most industries to adapt new, you know, new project management methodologies and practices. And so I think, generally speaking, we're, we're lagging behind the rest of the industry in terms of bringing agile project management to our, our ways of working. I think it's such a useful approach. Uh, it, it advocates mindset and agile mindset over processes and heavy heavy documentation and, and contract negotiation it, it really advocates uh, a customer centric way of doing things and and it it inherently um, you know puts more emphasis on change and adapting to change which is what we actually need to do to you know to follow up on the question about the project economy what is the consequence of the project economy it means we're going to be changing uh, and, and basically change is going to be the only constant moving forward. And that's how organizations will survive in this, uh, you know, rapidly changing world by changing through projects and tools need to enable that. And agile is a, is a great way to, to do it. Right. I mean, I, I agree with you about agile. In fact, there's, there's quite an interesting development on agile that, uh, that we're involved in and that comes out of, um, of Denmark. And that's the Half Double Institute that have actually done extensive research over the last uh, five or six years, and they have the the data to back it up, where they've developed the concept of um, half the effort, double the impact on three basic concepts of better leadership within projects and programs, flow, as in constant delivery and pace, and, and impact on stop creating deliverables and start focusing on the impact that uh, that you're going to bring about. And I think as a concept, if you're looking at, at a concept around Agile for non-engineering type projects, then you might like to have a look at what the Half Double Institute have done because it's 
there's some interesting stuff, and as I say, it's proven by organizations applying the half-double approach alongside a similar project within their organization using a traditional approach. And then a team of researchers and professors looking at the difference that makes. And I think they, they, I think their research is suggesting that your success rate goes up from something like 30 odd percent to over 60 percent of projects being delivered that are actually achieving business benefit. So I agree with you. Your yeah, agile is here because we do live in you know, a Volcker world. And I understand, actually, that's part of a PhD. I mean, I've underst- I understand that you've now embarked upon a PhD exploring how project management capabilities can be exploited in the current world of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, all of those things. And I'm sure there's other words will come into that, that acronym over time. So have you got far enough into your your basic research to share any initial insights that you may have uncovered indeed indeed spot on richard i started a phd last year uh now that we're in 2022 i'm on my second year um and i'll, I'll tell you what it's it's going to be a challenge for me <laughs> moving forward trying to balance uh you know having you know raising two kids and uh having a full-time job together with this phd i i, I hope i i make it out alive first and foremost. You, you probably need good project management of your personal life to schedule things and, and have some key objectives. But yeah, don't forget to spend time with the wife and kids. I know. Eh? Um, that's going to be a, a must-have. Uh, but I'll tell you what, um, I, I'm still pretty early on in the research. Um, I'm still going through a few courses and, and trying to, to hammer out um, you know, through a doctoral seminar what what the essence of my research question will be and and what research method will, will I apply but as you mentioned it I think um, what, what I'd like to uncover is really uh, you know w- with the pandemic right and, and the, it brought a lot of devastating effects to society and 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 you know we're still kind of grappling with uh, it at, at the current moment. But on the flip side, you know, with every challenge, there's also opportunities. We've seen pharmaceutical organizations put such an effort to, to try to solve this public health crisis. And actually, you know, f- pharmaceutical drug development is uh, a very lengthy and, and costly process, taking, you know, upwards of, let's say, 10 to 15 years and, and you know, quite a lot of money to be able to develop um, and, and launch a medicinal product. So what we saw in the last two years has been unprecedented, uh, being able to uh, launch uh, the COVID vaccine in about a, a year's time. And for me, what's really kind of building my curiosity is how were organizations able to get to, to that state? How were they able to break that traditional mold and go from, you know, 10 to 15 years of launching a, a drug product to uh, being able to launch, uh, launch it in, in one year? Were there any project management capabilities that helped to enable pharmaceutical companies to, to do that? 
were were there aspects of agility or agile project management practices that were at play? This is what I'd like to to uncover and and if there was something you know formidable that can be shared with the broader project management community, that would be really really great because if we can um, make uh, medicines at a faster pace, we can bring more value to society and to the patients who need it the most. So that's really what's motivating my research. And, and I hope to be able to maybe chat with you in a, in a few years and, and be able to share what's, uh, what's happened since then. Camille, that's fascinating. Maybe, maybe it's even simpler than that. I, I can't remember the title of the book, but the author was Margaret Heffernan. And she wrote something about there is a better way. And she spoke about the problems with a society built on competition and the benefits of a society built on cooperation. And maybe the the big issue or the big success was, I would imagine the number of pharmaceutical researchers who could get their heads around the problem is relatively small. And I'd imagine that they knew each other. And possibly the big switch was the corporate saying, let's collaborate for the benefit of the global population and share our resources and not worry about who's going to be first to market, who's going to commercialize this opportunity. And it simply was that change of focus that enabled that collaborative effort, global collaborative effort from around the world. You know, and when was the last time we could think of um, commercial organizations actually agreeing that, that one development is better than their development. We are, when can we last think of somebody saying, well, our vaccine is not as powerful as another vaccine, and then sharing the data, sharing the information, and simply looking for the best solution for everybody. And I agree with you. I mean, it's a fabulous example of how talented professionals uninhibited by commercial drivers could actually solve a problem. The difficulty, of course, is it's not a sustainable model because at some time somebody has to pay for that research and somebody has to pay for that that innovation. But, but you're, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more about the success that that's brought and if that could be applied to other areas. Could that be applied to sustainability? You know, could the same concept be applied to the global challenge of climate change and things like that? Yeah. It's just a new way of working, collaboration for the common good rather than competition for the personal gain. Uh, Richard, I, I definitely agree with what you said. I think this new mindset of collaboration is also here to stay. Um, on, and, and I think more and more we see young people also, you know, when we talk about the next generation of project managers focused on, on purpose and on making social impact. And that's something that PMI has, has written about, you know, during the last few years about uh, how millennials uh, are, are trying to uh, go for, for work that is more meaningful and, and purpose-driven. And there was a really good article about that um, last year that I, I was also able to contribute to. But I think you're, you're absolutely right. Collaboration over competition and purpose and meaning are key enablers to to, to be more successful at, at what we do and 
be more successful as, also at project management and, and how we get things done. Camille, it's fascinating talking to you. We could go on for hours, but I think we probably uh, should should finish it there because you know, we've been on a, a wide-ranging conversation about a number of items. I'd be really interested in how the research goes and uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. And Many, many thanks for finding the time to have this conversation with me. Thank you. Likewise, Richard. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, likewise, I'm really looking forward to staying in touch and sharing with you whatever's coming out of my research there, but also in any other insights or trends that you would like to discuss in project management. Big thank you to you and APMG. Thank you for listening. We're always keen to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can find all the information in the show notes below. Please visit apmg-international.com to find out more about our accredited training and the certifications that support them that are related to the topics discussed in this series. I hope you've enjoyed today and I look forward to you joining future episodes while we continue our exploration into best practice and the benefits it brings to global business. Thank you.